Welcome to the Weight No More Weight Loss Accountability Podcast, where we explore a wide range of topics and challenges related to weight loss. I'm your host, Mrs. J, a certified health and wellness coach and the author of the ebook, All Diets Work If You Do. With over three decades on the health and wellness journey, I have successfully embarked on a non-medical weight loss path, allowing me to shed 212 pounds. In this podcast, we'll delve deep into all aspects of health and well-being. Each week, I'll share my research and experiences and perspectives in solo episodes. I'll bring you insightful interviews with inspiring guests and thought leaders. Additionally, we'll address relevant topics submitted by our listeners. My mission is to provide you with inspiring stories and practical insights, fresh perspectives, and transformative tools that will unlock your full potential. I aim to help you create a life you truly love and establish sustainable habits for mindful living, resulting in a sense of balance and happiness. Above all, I strive to foster a relatable and supportive community that you can rely on for encouragement to assist you on your quest for a healthier lifestyle. I'm here cheering you on every step of the way. Let's embark on this journey together. Today, we're going to discuss how certain medications can affect your weight loss efforts. It's no secret, losing weight can be very challenging. And it's not as simple as simply go on a diet and eat more vegetables or do more exercises. There are many variables that can impact your results. One of the variables that I don't hear um, talked about very often is medication. This is one significant factor that can make a difference in the results that you get. Medication can have definitely a positive effect um, in helping you heal or reducing pain, but there's also the negative effect that it can have on your body and it can absolutely have a negative effect in impacting your weight loss efforts. So whether you're currently taking medication, considering a new treatment, have a loved one on medication, or you're just simply curious about the relationship between medication and weight loss, this episode will provide valuable insight to empower you in managing your health conditions and shedding those extra pounds at the same time. In this episode, we'll explore a few commonly prescribed medication categories and how they can affect your metabolism, your appetite, and your overall body composition. We'll also discuss alternatives and natural strategies that can potentially replace some of the medications, but that's only where it's applicable, meaning you and your doctor have agreed upon it, or you as a responsible consumer have looked into it and you have made sure that you are comfortable with the alternative. So grab a comfortable seat, put your phone on mute, and let's dive into this informative exploration of medication and its impact on health and your weight. (music) 
The impact of medication on weight is a topic of great interest to me because I've witnessed firsthand the effects of medication um, with friends, family, and some of my clients. Recently, I personally experienced significant weight gain after following a prescribed medication routine. My recent experience involved a prescription for a uh, stronger dose of ibuprofen. And unfortunately, um, while I was taking it, I had a allergic reaction, to something else, um, a separate medication. These incidents occurred in close succession. And I noticed that getting back on track wasn't as easy and I definitely gained weight. This frustration prompted me to conduct some research. It's important to note that each person may have a unique response to medication and that the effect on weight can vary depending on the specific type of medication and the condition that's being treated. In my case, I believe that one of the contributing factors to my weight gain while on the medication was that both medications seemed to cause severe digestive upset for me. And it was recommended that I take them with food. The dosage frequency required me to consume a meal almost every four hours because I could not take the medication together. I had to make sure that there was a sufficient separation in the time. So I literally was eating almost every four hours. Let's add to that. So I tried to be real cute with it because I was trying to slim down. I had been celebrating my birthday for 30 days and needless to say, I was looking fluffy. So having to take this medication, I thought, well, maybe I'll just eat something light. Oh no, honey, that was, that was not what was up. The reality is, is that certain medications actually require a heavier food intake to one, improve the absorption to reduce digestive discomfort and side effects, and in general, to enhance the overall effectiveness. That was the case for me with this medication. Let's take a look at a few examples of medication categories that often require you eat a full meal or a decent meal. So the first category is NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. These include medications like ibuprofen or naproxen. These are commonly used for pain relief and reducing inflammation. The thing is, is that NSAIDs, um, ibuprofen, which is what I experienced, um, it can absolutely irritate the stomach lining and potentially cause digestive side effects such as stomach ulcers or indigestion. So this is one food category that often is lists that you should eat a meal um, when you take it to reduce the risk of stomach irritation and minimize potential digestive discomfort. The next category is steroids. Steroids are often um, prescribed in the form of prednisone, hydrocortisone, or um, I can't think of the next one. Um, I had another one in mind, but they are powerful anti-inflammatory medications. 
and they're used to treat various conditions, including allergies, asthma, autoimmune diseases, and certain types of cancer. The awful side effect of steroids um, include increased appetite, elevated blood sugar levels, and potential stomach ulcers. Now, the first time I witnessed someone um, having the awful side effects of a prescribed steroid um, was when I was 23 and I worked with this woman and I can't even remember her name now, but she she was prescribed um, prednisone. She had some condition and she needed it. And I literally watched this poor woman. She was just so classy. Um, I literally watched her busting out of her clothes within a week or two. She literally was gaining weight. She said she couldn't stop eating. And it was actually pretty startling to see that. So that's one of the uh, medication categories that would require you to have a meal. There's certain, uh, the next category would be antibiotics. Now there are certain antibiotics um, such as amoxicillin um, that are better absorbed when taken with food. Consuming the food can help protect the stomach again and to help with absorption. However, it's really important when you're taking antibiotics to not assume that you need to eat food with it. Definitely read that little lame tag that comes with it and make sure that you are taking it the way that you should be. The next category um, is opioids. Now, opioid medication are usually prescribed, well, examples of opioids are um, codeine, oxycodone, or morphine. Those are much more powerful pain relievers and they're commonly prescribed after surgery or for situations where people have severe, acute, or chronic pain. However, the use of opioids can affect the weight in several ways. Firstly, opioids can cause constipation. Um, I've again witnessed someone who had to take very strong pain medication and the constipation can be absolutely unreal, which leads to temporary weight gain and a feeling of bloating due to um, water retention. Additionally, there are certain solid foods that may be more effective to relieve the digestive discomfort caused by opioids um, compared to lighter meals. Um, So those are one of the um, medications that you absolutely would probably be better off eating a meal with. So there also is the potential for weight gain, the constipation coupled with needing to eat in order to take the medication. The next way that an opioid can influence the body is that it has an influence on the brain's reward centers. So our happy or feel good center in our brain. And so the influence potentially triggers an increased desire for high calorie foods and can encourage overeating in some individuals. Prolonged use of opioids can lead to weight gain over time, um, and it can impact the body's metabolism and the hormonal regulation. Opioids.
Opioids primary effect on the body's metabolism is through the impact on the nervous system. So this goes pretty deep. This isn't just a food in, energy out. It's a lot deeper than that. So the impact on the nervous system um, can reduce the activity levels and suppress the body's energy expenditure, meaning less movement, less burning of calories. This in itself can contribute to weight gain or hinder weight loss efforts. Opioids can also disrupt the balance between the energy intake and expenditure. Um, Again, less movement means less calories burned. And so inevitably this can change the body's composition. It affects hormones um, and the hormones that it affects are the appetite regulation hormones, which is leptin and ghrelin. Leptin is responsible for signaling satiety. That's the hormone that lets you know, hey, you've had enough, you're good. Um, And it also was responsible for regulating balance. When opioids are in effect, it's shown that they can inhibit the satiety hormone. So if the satiety hormone is limited, that means there is the ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, that is increased. When the ghrelin hormone is increased or the hunger hormone is increased, that can lead to increased feelings of hunger, um, less feelings of being satisfied even when you've had enough, which in turn can lead to overeating and inevitably weight gain. I find this very interesting. And if this is something that you want to look into more, um, you may consider reading two books that I found very interesting and helped me in this research. The first book is called Drug-Induced Nutrition Depletion Handbook by Rose, excuse me, Ross Peloton and James B. Laval. This book was very interesting and it provides extensive information on the potential effects of medications, including opioids, and how nutrition depletion can impact various aspects of your health. The second book that was very interesting to me was The Secret Life of Fat, The Science Behind the Body's Least Understood Organ and What It Means for You by Sylvia Tara. This book delves into the complexities of fat and explores various factors, including medication that influences weight gain and weight loss. I really loved that this book discusses how certain medications can affect metabolism, appetite, and fat storage. Again, as I said from the very beginning, weight loss is so much more than just eating a balanced meal and exercising. There are so many things that lead into it or can impact your ability to reach your goals. Let's now look at some alternative strategies. I love the idea of alternative strategies because I don't like being told that there's only one way to do things. Also, I don't like the way I feel when I have to take medicine 
and uh, a little bit about me is I, I have been actually very sickly in my life. I've probably had, we'll be very generous. Um, and I'll say that I've probably had at least 20 surgeries in my life. And I can tell you, I know how medication feels and I can't stand the side effects. I, if you've ever had medication or actually had surgery, there are times where you can literally smell medication still on your body. So I love the idea of alternative strategies. Again, as I said at the very beginning, alternative strategies um, and alternatives to medication and antibiotics are only suitable for those who have confirmed with their doctor that it is okay for them or for anyone who has done enough research and is a responsible consumer and is comfortable with taking their health into their own hands. So first things first, let's look at some um, alternatives um, that can possibly be considered for both the NSAIDs, which is the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and steroids. The reason we can look at these together is because both the NSAIDs and the steroids have similar effects in the fact that they are um, relieving pain and both are meant to reduce inflammation. The following are herbal and natural supplements that can potentially be considered as substitutes. The first substitute is turmeric. Turmeric contains curcumin, which is an anti-inflammatory, um, it has anti-inflammatory properties and it may help to relieve pain and reduce inflammation. Uh, curcumin supplements or turmeric extracts can be taken orally or potentially, um, or made into a tea and they can potentially replace both NSAIDs and possibly steroids. The next is ginger. I love ginger. Ginger has been used traditionally for its anti-inflammatory effects, and it may help to reduce pain and inflammation associated with conditions such as arthritis. Um, it also has amazing digestive benefits as a, a soothing tonic for the stomach to uh, help reduce gas and bloating. It's also an amazing diuretic. Ginger can be drinking in a tea, um, so you may you can use fresh ginger, um, or you can get it in supplements. The next one is bromelain. These are all also these that I'm mentioning. These are all um, supplements and natural remedies that I personally have experience with. So those are the only ones that I will. Um, talk about. There are many others, but these are the ones that I'm familiar with. Next is bromelain. And bromelain is an enzyme that's found in pineapple. Um, it has amazing anti-inflammatory properties, and it may even help to reduce pain and swelling associated with injuries or conditions such as osteoarthritis. It's also, once again, an amazing digestive tonic to soothe gas and bloating, and it helps to protect the heart. It boosts your immune system. It fights sinus infections. It encourages weight loss. It helps muscle recovery, and it fights asthma and allergies. So as you can see, a lot of these natural remedies or, or 
alternatives um, options not only help with pain management and inflammation reduction, but they also have other benefits for the body as well. The next one is called Arnica. Um, Arnica is a herb that is commonly used topically in the form of a gel or a cream. And you can also get it in, in um, like little pellet forms like that dissolve under your tongue. And it's an amazing anti-inflammatory and pain relieving um, supplement. It's useful for helping to relieve muscle aches, bruises, and joint pain. And it also helps surprisingly enough with hair loss. Now, my experience with Arnica is that you probably want to start using, that's kind of to me something that I used in advance. And then once I was, I experienced the pain, I had surgery, I used it and it helped to reduce the inflammation from the initial surgery. And then it helped me to keep the inflammation and the pain down afterwards. Um, another one is Reversitrol. Now, this is a compound that's found in grapes, berries, and my favorite, red, red wine. And it is an antioxidant and an anti-inflammatory um, benefits is what makes this special. Reversitrol can help to lower your blood pressure and it assists with um, increasing the HDL and reducing LDL cholesterol. It also helps to reduce blood clotting and protects heart and brain health. And the other thing that I absolutely find amazing about this is that it may increase insulin sensitivity, which is very, very important. Um, when you are insulin sensitive, that is a good thing. It's when you're insulin resistant that you are leaning towards being diabetic. Um, and the other thing that reversitrol does is it may, it's still being studied, but it may help suppress cancer cells. So all the more reason to have a little sip of red wine. There are also a lot of topical pain reliefs that we will take a look at. One of the things that I really love is the idea of transdermal or topical application. I like it because um, it allows you to be able to consume something or to get the benefit of whatever it is you're applying and not have to get your whole body involved. Because when you take medication or anything orally, it goes through your entire body before it gets to where it's going. That's number one. And we've now gotten the liver involved in the whole process. So whenever possible, I love a topical or a transdermal application. And I always laugh because people say, Mrs. J, that doesn't work. Yes, it does. You try telling the millions of women who are using birth control patches that that doesn't work. I rest my case. So the last two uh, applications or alternative um, medication that you can use, the first one is capsaicin. Capsaicin is derived from the chili pepper and it can help to relieve pain by blocking pain signals. 
Topical application of capsaicin creams or ointments can be applied directly to the affected area for pain relief. So if your ankle is hurting, we don't have to get everybody else involved to bring pain relief to your ankle. A second one is CBD topical pain cream. Now that's been getting a lot of uh, buzz lately, um, but we're not talking about the psychotropic any any of those those benefits if that's what you find a benefit we're talking about using cbd um, as a pain reliever the ointment that is used is infused with a compound that's derived from the cannabis plant and it typically contains other ingredients um, such as uh, various essential oils moisturizers and other soothing agents to enhance its effect i can say i have benefited from CBD pain cream uh, when I had a surgery. Um, the medication they gave me, it was an opioid and I, my God, I, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I decided to do my own thing, even though I was in pain and I used a CBD topical pain cream it was a very high um, or very potent one. And I took um, a, a, a regular aspirin and guess what? That brought me more pain relief than the over the count than the excuse me over the top opioid that they had given me. They gave me oxycodone. I gave it back to my doctor because I found more relief with the topical application. Let's look at alternatives for antibiotics. Finally, we're going to look at a few alternatives for antibiotics. Now, there are many, many that are very powerful and very beneficial, but I am going to just name my favorites. First one is echinacea. Echinacea is used for immune support and enhances the immune response, and it can help combat bacterial and viral infections. It's available in various forms. You can get a tincture, you can get a capsule. Um, I That's one of the things that I always have in the house is echinacea. The next one that is uh, really at the top of my list is Manicu honey. This is not your typical honey. You don't need to go look for it at the farmer's market because it's likely that you will not find it there. This is a honey that is primarily produced in New Zealand, and it is known for its antimicrobial properties. It contains a compound that I have a hard time saying, so I'm going to spell it. It's M-E-T-H-Y-L-G-L-Y-O-X-A-L. A lot of letters, but the acronym is M-G-O. MGO inhibits antibacterial effects and applying Manicu honey topically can aid in wound healing and prevent certain infections. I love Manicu honey. It's expensive. It's not your typical honey. It tastes very medicinal. It actually tastes like medicine. And I will be honest and say that I have actually tried to apply it to um, a wound and I was absolutely amazed. The next one that is uh, right up there with the Manicu honey is Monolaurin. 
Mana Lauren is something that I have in the house at all times, and it's a natural occurring compound derived from lyric acid. Lyric acid is found, it's not something you can find in a lot of things, but it is a, it's found in coconut oil and breast milk. It stands out because this is really unique. It has antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial, and potentially antimicrobial properties. That's very unique. You don't find very many um, natural or uh, medicinal um, substances that have all four viral, fungal, bacterial, and microbial properties. Um, These are just a few of my favorites. There are many, many more, but I wanted to highlight my favorites. And these are ones that I have personal experience with and I have in my home at all times. These are just a few options for herbal supplements as a replacement for um, medication, pain management, or antibiotic. Um, And they hopefully have provided an expanded perspective of natural remedies. If you want to delve deeper, I would encourage you to. And here are three books that I personally have that I think you will enjoy. The first book is The Natural Pharmacy, Complete A to Z Reference to Natural Treatments for Common Health Conditions by Alan R. Gabby and Forrest Batts. The second book is The Complete Book of Essential Oils and Aromatherapy by Valerie Ann Wormwood. And the third book is Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine by Michael Murray and Joseph Pezzamorini. I think I said his name wrong, but um, I, I believe in, in um, natural remedies. If they are um, something that you can consider, try it. See how you feel. Don't do it if it's a serious condition. Um, but that's all I have for you for now. So in parting, I say take care of yourself. And until next time, please be kind to yourself.